what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. There are a number of ways to use technology to enhance your money management, or at least to make it more efficient. On today's episode of Brothers in Tech, we talk about personal finance using technology. What are some apps and services and tools you can use to get a better handle on your personal finances? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm a media producer and consultant out of North Carolina. And then on the other end of the coast, I have with me Brian Jackson, my brother in tech, uh, from uh, out in the Oregon area. Brian, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you. Uh, so I understand it's a little hot out there. Oh, my God. Yeah. What, what is going on? <laughs> I don't understand what has happened, but we have had, um, let's see. So normally, for those who don't know uh, the Oregon, especially the Portland area uh, weather, you always hear of rain, right? We have about nine months of drizzle rain, which which I personally love, right? It's just yeah. uh, it's fantastic. But our summers are gorgeous. And typically we get maybe, maybe a week where we'll see 90 degrees. And there's a lot of houses out here, a lot of places. Uh, my first house out here didn't have air conditioning. You just don't need it. You don't need it at all, but maybe one week a year. Well, this, this summer we've had, uh, well, for one, I can't remember the last time it rained. I think it's been... It's easily been over a month, maybe a month wow. and a half since we've seen any rain. And um, we just had our second week of 100 plus degrees, um, which is very rare for us, although I, I'm wondering if it's going to become more of the norm. But uh, yeah. yeah, so luckily I do have uh, AC, so I'm not That's that good. grumpy right now. Uh, that but, is good. But yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I feel yeah. uh, luckily it's, you know, it's a dry heat, Alan, is what they say, right? It's right. Uh, dry heat compared to. That's what I hear. Back dry home. heat. So, compared yeah. to North Carolina where it's all just yeah. wet, 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 wet. What they, and, don't, uh, what they don't say when they say dry heat is that for those who myself came from a wet heat as a kid, I became very much a soft person when I moved out here. So the dry heat still really, really, really I, hot. <laughs> I just expected that with everybody in the Oregon area that does is not used to this heat. I just, oh, I'm just picturing them all like just packing up their, their RVs and their little, uh, their little, uh, Volkswagen bug vans and just getting the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> like well, go somewhere cooler for a while. So. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, again, if you don't know the Oregon area, Portland, and then everything outside of Portland, it becomes very, uh, high desert, dry and hot. So I tried to get out, but it was also hot. So, so really, you, you've got to explain that a little bit more. We get in our Volkswagens and we just drive. We don't stop anymore. We just keep driving just to, because just the run air, air conditioning in the car. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and for me, people like me who don't have air conditioning in our van, 
We just have to keep driving. <laughs> just have to keep moving. Wow. Wait, wait until about midnight, what, and then you stop. Whatever, and then you drive whatever, some more. <laughs> whatever keeps you cool, man. So that works. So. No, I'm uh, well, doing uh, good. Doing good. Since we we got off started talking something completely different than tech, but let's roll back into the actual purpose of the show, oh, and that okay. is to talk some technology, personal technology. This is Brothers in Tech. This is where Brian and I get together and we talk uh, home and family and personal technology and uh, share swap stories. We talk about a particular topic each time we get together. And uh, today's topic, Brian, we are going to talk about personal finance. So managing your money, tracking your money, uh, making use of your money using technology. That's what we're going to talk about today, some different ways to do that. Alan, we've we've almost been doing this show almost two years, and I am amazed when you mentioned to me what about a week ago you said, you know, we haven't done finance, and I was amazed that that's probably one of the first things we should have done. I mean, maybe you and I don't have any money to really talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons. Well, for a long time, this is going to be a very short topic, but. um, Well, I have some money under the mattress and that's it was going to be like a three or four minute episode. And we were going to be done talking about it, but um, <laughs> no, we got, we got a few things we can talk about with this. We are going to be talking about, you know, uh, software apps, tools yeah. that help you track, manage your money and, and maybe do some other interesting things with it too. And along the way, we're going to talk about kind of the state of banks, you know, and, and how technology is playing a pretty critical role with how people are managing and storing their own money. So, um, so we're going to get into that, and um, I think Brian and I both have. Do you have an app uh, to share? Or no, we we do our uh, yeah. picks. We're going to be we're going to be sprinkling in some kind of recommendations. I along think the way I think we'll sprinkle them in on this one. Have yeah, some we'll of have some, we're not going to yeah. do a specific one here uh, outside of this episode. But uh, just stay tuned, though. We will be having pretty soon an episode where it's just a our picks, our brothers and tech suggestions episode. We're going to be due for one of those here up pretty soon, but um, let's let's talk personal finance today, Brian. Uh, Brian. Yeah, and um, Alan, you have you have fully prepared for this episode, right? Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I read quickly through the notes you prepared, <laughs> and that is that is how I prepared for this episode. So, Although I'm a little I'm a little nervous because I, I swear last last episode we had together where we really did not prepare at all. And we just kind of went off cuff. I thought it was one of our better episodes. So I'm a little nervous see, that see, that's preparing is going to screw us up here. That's why I kind of went with my approach this week. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm not messing with magic. It was great last week and I don't need to go in and prepare. I'm uh, very cocky about all this. All right. Well, let's, now, let's in, see. In all, in all honesty, there are some important things we want to, we want to hit on. So we do have some, some, some notes to go from, but um, the, the good thing about this, Brian, is you and I both have a lot of personal experience with this and that we've been using, uh, you know, online services and online tools to help manage personal money, personal finances for a while now. Yep. And yep. we've tried some different solutions and we've tried some different services. So we can at least speak to that. Uh, yep. The big thing in my head, Brian, with all this is, I mean, let's just talk about banks, more traditional banks to get started. Okay. I think it's safe to say that most everybody listening right now is probably still using a very, uh, what I would call a very traditional bank to help store and uh, use their money. You know, whether it's a local branch of a, of a local bank, a regional bank, or a national bank, I think that's still kind of the, the default position with most people is a, a bank with brick and mortar um, locations yep. um, so that you could 
choose to either go through a, a local branch to deposit checks or money or withdraw money uh, using an ATM card that's issued to you from that bank um, that, you know, luckily those ATM cards, those banks are at least tapping into like MasterCard and Visa so that their debit cards are used anywhere that you can accept right. a credit card. But I mean, I think that's probably the position most people are in. Uh, I, I would think, say, I think the um, large majority are still there, right? You know, you've yeah. got, you've got, uh, you've got kids of various ages, but certainly mm-hmm. ones that start to have their own bank accounts and all of that. And I would imagine you're still at where I am, which is if you would have asked me probably anything other than anything earlier than two years ago, I would have said, absolutely. Brick and mortar, yeah. go to a brick mm-hmm. and mortar that you can sure. walk up, you can get a checking a checkbook, you can get a, um, a check card, all of that sort of stuff. So I've started to change a little bit of my perception of that, but it's only been to. just recently. So, And I have a recent, actually an example of, of something that has caused me to immediately mm. start looking at different, more non-traditional options that we're going to talk about. But um, let's start with those traditional banks because yep. there are some te- there is some technology there now. I think that most people are, are finding or hopefully are able to use uh, and I can't imagine any bank not providing some of these online services now for managing your money. Yeah. So what we're talking about is this idea that, you know, you go, you set up an account at a bank or, or you have a, an account you've had at the bank for a while and they give you the ability to go online and manage your money or, or check in on your, your accounts online. Now, some banks, you know, I think unfortunately has to do a lot with how big the bank is. You know, if it's a national bank or a local regional bank. Some of the bigger banks are going to have some pretty nice online systems for mm-hmm. log into a website with your, your secure login and password, view any accounts you have, checking accounts, savings accounts, uh, equity lines, mortgages, anything you have with those banks, see the balances, see your transactions that you have on there, uh, and do some fairly traditional things. Uh, you can... Uh, uh, transfer money from one mm-hmm. account to another on the website. Right. You can um, do uh, check deposits. Now that's been interesting. Uh, that's been something that, you know, I was kind of wary of for a good while. And it's just been the last couple of years I've been using pretty much almost exclusively is uh, using your mobile version of those apps to you know, snap your checks and deposit into your account, which is nice. Yep. Um, that was a big lifesaver for me and, and something that kept me with the more traditional banks for a while is that they did give that option on their apps, even the lower, smaller banks I, I work with. And um, that that was a huge benefit. That was something where I would have probably considered leaving the, those banks if I didn't have that capability. No, it's Just because it's, the idea of driving to a teller and having to drive through and uh, deposit a check anytime you've got something to deposit. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a lot of time and, and it's unnecessary. I think. Okay. So Alan, let me, let me ask you, um, yeah. if you were sent a check and let's say it was, mm-hmm. I'm just throw out a number, say it was a, uh, $500, right. Mm-hmm. And you deposited it, uh, digitally on your mm-hmm. mobile app. Do you keep the check? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you kind of like me and that you keep the check because I'm still yes. a little wary that <laughs> they're going to sure. come back to me in a couple months and say, sorry, yeah. Where's that check? We we made a mistake yes. by approving it, right? Even when I yeah. get the approval email that's like, you know, two hours later that says your, you know, check is. I still keep it. That I yep. think is Again. kind of our our age still, right? To say that that physical check is still worth the money, right? And we we don't necessarily fully trust what's going on, but true. 
Um, I think it's great. And I've actually been really impressed with how good yeah. the uh, snapshot capabilities for capturing your, 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 your check online is. And I, I've only had a couple of issues in the past year, weird issues. Uh, I tried to deposit a, a check remotely and it came back and kept saying that that check's already been deposited. And uh, I had to actually take that one check to the brick and mortar teller and they deposited it fine. Hmm. Um, other than that, and maybe just another random issue, uh, it's, it's pretty solid for us. And, yeah. um, but I do still keep the check yeah, me too. in a drawer. Uh, just like you said, just in case last thing yeah. I want to do is get rid of it. And they, a pretty large check, they said, for whatever reason, they said didn't go reason. through, and now I'm right. stuck. So, no, I'm with you on that. So, let me let me um, ask you: Are there any limits to that? Because I haven't recognized any limits, but I still have this sense in my head that if someone gave me a really large check, like let's say I was buying a house and someone yeah. gave me a that I'm not sure it would accept that. Do you know? Are there yeah. limits? There are limits. I okay. think every bank sets its own limit for uh, how much you can deposit, either in a day or in a monthly cycle. Okay. Okay. And, um, I will tell you this. I mean, I, I, I hit it sometimes on the personal side. I noticed it the most when we went through our house purchase, mm-hmm. right. you know, just, I had some larger checks being moved around and paid and, and other things done. And I think there was a limit of what I could deposit online per day or a monthly limit and a daily limit. So I would oh, hit really? that daily limit a couple of times. And even after a few days, it told me, Hey, I hit my monthly limit already. So that is things, my understanding is you can work with the bank to try to see if you have any ability to adjust those limits if you expect to be having a yep. lot more checks. Yep. But I'll say this, Brian, at the same time that this has been great capability of doing the online uh, uh, check deposit, I've also been using a lot fewer checks during that same time. Oh, so yes, it's kind sure. of a going in the same direction where I very rarely <laughs> find myself writing or depositing a, a check these days. So yep. um, because of direct deposit, for, for like things like payroll, for a lot of uh, services I use that, you know, do send a check normally have now moved to online uh, direct deposit or mm-hmm. EFT transfer. So, so it's nice that the banks have got that yep. Uh, yep. check deposit feature, but it is something that's kind of uh, crossing, you know, the lines as far as popularity goes or needs go. So. And, and, and my assumption is that something like a cashier's check probably cannot be deposited mm-hmm. mobily. Do you know? I would imagine so. Yeah. I think the whole reason you want the cashier's check is you want that ultimate that security. And yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're able to do that over an online payment okay. or online uh, check deposit. So, yeah. yeah. So basic yeah. checks going back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. mobile deposit has been great, right? I've, I've actually never had an issue. I've always been weary, but I've never had an issue. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, those, those online banking services that your actual bank provides, I mean, they're, they're good. Yep. They do some of your basic functionality and all, all you're looking for is I just want to be able to go online and check what my balances are and just make sure I know what transactions have cleared or, or, or not. Yep. And I may have to transfer some money from one account to another. Uh, then your bank system will probably work fine. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of these banks are, are their, their online services are trying to add more capabilities to it. But I mean, I think at the core functionality, if that's all you're looking for, you're probably going to be okay with just your bank yep. uh, using using what they provide you. And um, certainly, certainly things like bill pay. I mean, bill pay is fantastic. It's one of the the best uses of online banking that I can, well, just let's I make imagine. sure everybody knows what we're talking about when yep. we say bill pay. So it's the idea of 
if you have things that you do want to pay, um, a bill that's come in and it's not something you would pay online. It's something that you would actually send a check normally for. Oh my God. Do you remember doing that? I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, I do. <laughs> you got the envelope that came with the bill. You put the check back in with the statement, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there, so to me, there was one of the biggest benefits is that you're saving money on checks, right? I can't remember the last time checks I bought a, a box of checks. So checks and postage and all postage. the other things too. Yeah, so probably. the idea is that, you know, you get a bill in from, you know, uh, whatever, somebody who does some stuff in your yard yeah. and they send you a bill in the mail and they are not someone set up to pay online or do any other online payment. You got to write them a check. Then you can go into your bank's bill pay service and say, Hey, here's the address of the person I want to pay. Here's the amount I want to pay them, and here's the date I'd like to pay them, and hit the button, yep. and Fantastic. they take care of it. They'll they'll send it out and, and pay the bill for you. So that is really nice. Yes, mm-hmm. I I think again, if, if if that covers all your needs, then you know your actual bank may have some really good tools ready to use. It does vary. You know, I work with a fairly small bank here where I live, mm-hmm. and they were a little slow on the development of a lot of those tools for a long time. So like bill pay is still fairly new for them. Um, yeah, the online, uh, uh, check deposits, the remote check deposit was also relatively slow in coming along where I'm sure bigger chains, you know, had them a lot earlier. So just yeah. be mindful of what size bank you're working with as to what kind of technical capabilities they have. But the goal is, I mean, it's also the goal for the bank too, is I think to, to minimize as much in-person transactions as possible because, they come out better. They save sure. money. It saves them on staffing and real estate and everything else. Yep. If they can move you to doing a lot more with your phone and your computer. So, so Alan, let me let me ask you a question. So you you said yep. you're with a small bank, and I am too. I'm with a credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, I was with a large bank. I think it was Wells yep. Fargo for a while, maybe BB&T prior to that or something. But what about you? Before this small bank, were you with a big bank or have you always been with a small bank? I have you're in a small been town with, that has yeah. has local connections there, but I've been with a small bank for a really, really long time. Okay, uh, and mainly because uh, of my own business dealings with them, like on the business side, it made sense. Just uh, okay. like having one bank that I banked with for everything, I go here for my business banking, and I go here for personal banking. Um, I will say, um, I'm to the point now where I'm about ready to start exploring some other options, and I'd like yep. to lead into. Yep. Maybe what we're going to talk about next with this is talking about maybe online banks and kind of mm-hmm. what those are looking like now, mainly because I had a situation just in the last couple of weeks where my son, uh, my, my, you know, 20, uh, 19 year old son has a checking account at the same bank where we do, we set it up with him when he was 16. And so I actually have some access to that account, you know, where I can actually go. And if I need to transfer money back and forth between my checking and his, I can, mm-hmm. And, um, he's got a debit card, you know, draws from that, that account. And I know every bank is trying to work on fraud protection. And I think they're, they're being diligent about trying to make sure they're tracking fraud and really finding some good ways to make sure they let you know if they think something fraudulent may be happening on your account. Um, but you know, my son was out with, for dinner with some friends, tried to use his debit card and it got declined. (laughs) Had no idea why. He, he's very diligent about what's in his account. He knows he had plenty of money in his account. And um, he calls me just to say, hey, is there a problem or anything? I mean, it doesn't like there's a problem to me. I can log into my account. There's money there. And um, 
I look on my phone and I had missed a phone call from the bank. I could tell it's the bank's number, but yet they didn't leave a message for me. My son got a phone call that the voicemail didn't show up until like, you know, an hour later on his phone. And all it said was, hey, this is so-and-so from the bank. Just give us a call, please. And this was at 530, you know, I mean, it was after working hours and it sounded kind of an odd call anyway to get. It was, a, you know, just saying, hey, it's the bank, call us. And you don't know if it's a sales call. You don't know if you're trying to do a promotion on something or what. It turned out they were just trying to place a call to say, hey, we, we just wanted to kind of verify a transaction that you were making. And since we couldn't reach you, we just shut off the card. Oh, jeez. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's so many ways that they could have contacted text messages and emails and other ways that if I had gotten a text message that said, hey, did your son just do this? Uh, just purchase this? Say yes. Uh, click one or two. And, and then we're good. And the card is free to use but to make us have to call back in and we don't even know who we're supposed to ask for. And anyway, it, that's one of those symptoms of like a yep. smaller bank that doesn't have a really cohesive communication plan in place. I don't yep. think yep. it was just, it was just annoying and just kind of seemed really kind of ridiculous that that was the way they were trying to handle it. Yep. So anyway, that was bothersome. So that's kind of the reasons why I would be interested in looking at more a bank that might have a little higher end tech communications in place and, yeah. Um, yep. And I very find myself hardly ever going to the, the, the brick and mortar bank for anything anymore. So, right. Right. um, so what's going on with digital banks or the idea of an online bank, you know? So, yeah, well, I, so I'm, I'm in a similar situation as you are. And I went to a small bank, I went to a credit union, but we went mm-hmm. many years ago because credit unions were given teachers, which my wife and I both are really good deals on car loans and things like that. So we're like, you know, we're going to support the local. But I tell you, I have a very similar situation. One, just be aware, you know, for the people out there that say, hey, I don't go to my brick and mortar much, so I can go to, I think there's a lot of people that might say, well, I don't need the Wells Fargo or the Wachovia's that have places on every corner because I don't go there anymore. So I can go to that Mm -hmm. small bank. But just be, be aware that the small bank, as you said, doesn't have the digital infrastructure Uh, My situation is that, just as you said, when they called you, I don't know if you could even call back until the next day. But for us, anything after hours is not available. There is no there is no 24 hour as big banks are going to have as online banks are going to have. So I'm actually finding that the reason I asked that is it's it seems like my own personal experience has gone from big bank early because I needed brick and mortar to small bank because I didn't think I need brick and mortar everywhere. I didn't need ATMs everywhere, but I really like the customer service to now they can't handle the digital customer service that I actually expect. So I'm kind of back to the other place that. And just like you in your situation, I mean, you know, we, we make financial transactions after business. Absolutely. I mean, it just happens. And, you know, I mean, I kind of take the example of if my son, if it wasn't just him buying dinner with his friends, I mean, yeah, that's embarrassing, but you know, that his card didn't work. He didn't know why. Um, but if it had been something major, you know, well, if he, he was, was trying, trying to, to buy type, something big on eBay at late at or, night and it was a time sensitive thing or whatever, well, something like a tow truck, you know, cause yeah, it was a car, yeah, car yeah. Situation. I mean, oh, I, can, I guess things, that, that, that is a little bit more, more losing. Oh, sorry. I went straight, on, I straight <laughs> sorry. I went straight to eBay bids. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Um, kids, kids may have a problem. Actually, there's safety. personal safety too is kind of important. Oh, and, yeah. uh, okay. Anyway, things like that. It's like, you know what? That really just bugs me that, you yeah. know, 
There wasn't some easy way. I, I get it. I love the fact that they're trying to prevent fraud and I get it, but um, it just seemed like a better way to handle that. And that's yep. just to me, like it was a downfall of the smaller bank. So yep. that's caused me just like you to kind of look at what are maybe some other options. And yep. uh, I am more and more intrigued at the idea of looking at a online bank for the whole reason you mentioned. I mean, I don't go to the teller anymore. Right. Uh, as long as I get a debit card that has a, either a MasterCard or Visa symbol on it, I can use it anywhere. That's never a problem. I can deposit everything remotely. That's good. Um, or checks remotely. Anyway, we'll talk about cash in a minute. Yep. Um, so that's, so you what know, do you that's mean by online bank? What, what, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a bank that truly just exists online. So yeah. I mean, just like, you know, an online You can't website. go to see them. You can't go to see them. You have to call there's them. No to tellers, there's no drive throughs There's no physical places. It's an online bank. However, I mean, it used to be that we always really trusted a bank because of more security and we just want to kind of have feel like we know where our money is. We got that. Those days are gone. I mean, our money is all digital currency nowadays anyway, once it goes into a bank and it's not like we can go to the bank and, you know, see our money or have it there. I mean, this is, you know, everything's online already. So all we're doing is if you go to an online bank, you're just cutting out a lot of middle middle ground steps and saying all right i'm gonna log into my digital bank online i'm gonna set up an account i'm gonna log in view my account just like i did with my traditional bank um i can uh you know go use any of the atms that are supported by my debit card and i can do all the transactions i need to do there so if i need to deposit cash or if i need to withdraw cash i can do it there so atms are so prevalent and they all will use debit cards that are either MasterCard, Visa, or some other network that they're, that they're connected to. And, um, so it really does kind of make sense. Yep. Yep. And I'm also noticing this is, this is potentially a way to even save money. Now you may be thinking, okay, okay, sure. Not going and driving to a, uh, an in-person brick and mortar, but that's with everybody now. I don't think that's really an issue anymore, but I think a lot of these online banks, what I've noticed, and I haven't switched to them yet, but I'm very, very close, um, is that they'll even give you things like um, a interest or a build up interest on your checking account, mm-hmm. not just your savings account. Oftentimes, they're more competitive than even a savings account you can get at brick and mortar. And think about why they don't have the brick and mortar; they don't have to spend that, so they can actually give you a little bit more back. They can act like a credit card, right? I mean, would you even have a credit card these days, Alan? Would you? Would you get a credit card that doesn't have some sort of benefit back, like oh, no. points mm-hmm. or cash yeah, or sure. you know mileage? They can do the same thing with even your checking, right? It says, hey, if you spend a thousand dollars a month through our checking, we'll give you a hundred dollars back. Yep. They can do that sort of thing. Someone like a Wells Fargo doesn't have to do that. They can do that maybe with their credit card, but they don't have to do it with their checking because they still believe they have the one thing that that the others don't, which is the brick and mortar. Right. But so so the concern I always have is ATM, right? ATM's always been the biggest concern. It's like, okay, if I needed cash, could I get it? And most of these now will say they've teamed up with X number of thousands of ATMs and you can go and get it. So realize you're not going to get that two, $3 fee that you used to always think you had to get when you went to an ATM, right? See, that is another challenge with, uh, you know, using the smaller bank like I do. They used to say we, uh, for the longest time, they had said uh, there was no fees at any ATM you went to using our our debit card. 
Then that changed to where now if you go to a ATM that is not one of their specific ones, which they have very few because they're a small bank and they've just got only the ones at their at their teller lo- at their uh, branch locations. But if you go to any other, it's two three dollars transaction, which yeah. is why I try to avoid those ATMs as much as I can. Um, so yeah, yeah. anytime a, a bank, an online bank, can say we can have no ATM fees or you can get any any interest off of checking. I mean, that you yep. don't get that at a, at a bank, at a traditional bank. Right very now. So yep. uh, very mm-hmm. few of them anyway, mm-hmm. I don't get it on mine. So right. even if that means only a couple dollars I earn back a month, that's still money I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Sure. Um, so no, I'm, I've, I've just talked myself into <laughs> going yep. with an online bank. Yeah. So. I think I um, have as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. really there's no downside. What is the downside other than if you're someone that you really want to like be able to go, see somebody in person yeah. for some reason, but I mean, I okay. Can't so here's, here's my only, here's my only, here's the only thing that I'm nervous about, right. Yeah. And why it may cause me to have an online account and then keep, mm-hmm. keep a checking account at this other place, just in case is like we mentioned. So what if someone gives me a cashier's check and says, here you go. You know, we just bought your car through Craigslist and we, our bank is giving us a cashier's check. I'm not sure what I would do with that with an online bank. I assume I'd have to call them, say, do I, do I send it to you? (laughs) How do I actually get it in? Um, You know, if I needed a big check, if I need to do a cashier's check, if I need to actually get, you know, if I was buying something privately and they want a cashier's check, could I do that through an online bank? Those are things I just don't know. Those are things that make me nervous um, about it. But other than that, if it's just, cash out, cash in, um, paying bills, shifting between savings and checking. I am totally in. Um, so I yeah, know. I think, I don't know. You, you, you're right. There are probably a couple of things. I guess I, we should back up and just say for anybody listening, you know, there are some things you probably want to research before you jump into an online bank only. I mean, if you have any specific, very unique situations, if cashier checks, money orders, uh, any kind of international wiring. I mean, there's a lot of things I yep. just, some yep. people may have to contend with. I just, I can't say with hundred percent certainty that some of these online only banks will accommodate for you. But right. I did, will say, like you said, they're very competitive right now. They're mm-hmm. offering some really great features and benefits um, because they don't have the overhead that these other banks do. And again, all of our money is going out into the, to the cloud anyway, no matter where right. it comes from. So it's just a matter of what do we trust more or what do we feel like we get more benefit from uh, with our money. Yep. And for me, it's going to be who's using the most up-to-date technology tools to communicate with me, to let me see my money, um, all of that too. That's important for me is I need to have those tools available to me. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So online banking or digital banks are a new option, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, but let's... um. Let's shift a little bit, Brian, and talk. Once you've got your your banks established, okay, you you got you know where your money is, okay. Whether it's a traditional bank, whether it's an online bank, what can we do at that point? You know, we mentioned how the the, the banks all will provide you with some level of online access to view your accounts, view your transactions, do some of the basic duties there, but. Let's say um, we've got a little more, a little more needs than that. Let's say we've got maybe some different accounts. Um, yep. Yep. Let's say we have a checking account at this bank, and then we also have a credit card 
And then we also have a mortgage and we also and have all the uh, different banks. Yeah. All mm -hmm. the different banks. Uh, right. Or even if they were at the same bank, you okay. know, the idea is that you've got different accounts, yep. different things that you want to kind of see together or you want to manage together. I don't know about you, Brian, but I've always, I've always told you my love for dashboards. I love the idea mm -hmm. of, you know, having everything kind of collapsed into one place. So I'm really big on seeing everything in one view and going into my bank, logging into my bank to see my checking and then logging over to this mortgage company to see my mortgage on my house. Then this other one to see this other account that doesn't really give me that full picture that, that, that doesn't give me what I'm needing to right. really manage my money better. So, so there are some tools that will let you kind of collapse that all together, bring all your stuff together into one place. Um, and I know we're going to talk about mint as kind of one of those. They're all alternatives to mint, but Brian and I, you know, Brian, you use mint right I do. now, right? I do. Yep. And I do too. So we're going to talk about that primarily, but just know that there are alternatives, but yep. I think we're both going to talk about why we, we think mint is a pretty good one to consider right now. I think, I think for most people would say that mint's probably the best one in terms so, of yeah. what it does and how long it's been around. Right. So can you just describe what mint yeah. is for you? Again? So for, for, for me, mint is just what you said a minute ago. It's my dashboard that will get an up-to-date uh, look at total wealth, my total, my total personal wealth, right. Which means it shows not only what I owe on my mortgage, but also it shows me what the value of my home is mm -hmm. <laughs> and also shows me what I have in checking and in savings, but it shows me how much I owe on a credit card and these various yeah. credit cards. So it's basically saying, I'm going to give you a personal financial statement as of right now. Okay. And assuming mm -hmm. you put in everything you have now, and when we say financial statement, we're really talking about things that you owe and things that you have. So assets and, you know, things liabilities. that your liabilities yeah. are going against mm -hmm. you, right? Not, now you can go in and see your checking, click on the checking and see that you just paid your electric bill. Mm -hmm. Electric bills are not going to show up as a liability. That's, that's just a, you know, monthly expense. thing. That's a monthly yeah. expense, yeah. But the beauty of Mint for me is I can click in and I can see where am I right now? Have investments gone up? Uh, have I, have I, spent more than I've made, right? And kind of look at the entire package day to day. Um, so I, I use it all the time. It's really, for me, it is the way of just seeing a snapshot of where I am uh, on the day. Yeah. And uh, so now it does take me, me the chance. I have to go in and set all these up and realize that's yeah, the, sure. the challenge initially is you have to link those online accounts that you have into mint. So you have to give mint a chance to connect with those accounts. Well, and let's go even a little backwards on this. So, so mint is a free service. Yep. You, you don't have to pay anything to use mint. Mint is owned by Intuit. You may recognize that name. Intuit uh, has Quicken, mm -hmm. has QuickBooks, um, and TurboTax are kind of probably the three bigger names that you would recognize that Intuit has. Now, Quicken used to be like the de facto standard software that you would use to manage your banking on your computer. It was back before online services were really quite as big. It was more for you want to keep a checkbook on your computer and you want to enter in your, your checks and your expenses. And they did roll out the capability years ago to download your transactions from your bank. Mm -hmm. So they gave all that kind of capability. Um, I don't know anybody who uses Quicken 
anymore, even though Quicken still exists. I did check it out. It's still there. You can still buy it. It's an annual subscription uh, to use Quicken, and it is primarily an online tool. But what I think is interesting is Intuit, when you go into Mint or go into sign into their online portal, they just list Mint, QuickBooks, and TurboTax as their offerings. They don't really mention hmm. Quicken yeah, specifically. Yeah, they've kind of given up on it. So QuickBooks is your business accounting. We're not going to talk about that today because it's more on the business side. TurboTax is what you use to, to do. You can do your taxes online. They're probably the most known popular entity for doing that. Mint is their personal wealth management online tool. Yep. It yep. is free, but that because it's free, it is also heavily ad supported. Um, you will get a lot of promotions. You will get a lot of... Uh, recommendations that are trying to get you to use other services. So just be aware of that. It's, it's yeah. free, but you know, you, they're still making money from, from us in one way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm okay with that. I just X out I any of too. those that pop up and yeah. I'm willing to overlook it. Cause I just really like the interface. I like the functionality. It gives me 95% of the tools I need to keep a watch over everything I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to clarify, mint does not, or at least for me, Alan, I don't know if you uh, figured out any other way. I don't use Mint for anything other than to see this information. It, it doesn't actually allow you to transfer money or to do different no. things between these accounts. Mm-hmm. It is really just a looking at the balances and the transactions and giving you a snapshot of those things. Put them all in one place. So it's the dashboard. Mm-hmm. You're exactly. It was a great description. It's the dashboard yeah. of your finances. As long as you link up your financial accounts to it. It gives you the dashboard. And that is a process. Now, with any of these services we're going to be talking about, you do have to go through the process of linking it to your various banking or credit accounts. And normally that's done through a process where a lot of these have gotten really good and they use some common protocols. I think Plaid is one that they Plaid. use. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a a interface where if you go into a Mint or, well, Mint has its own kind of built in. But other services you go to and you say, yeah, I want to connect to my banking account. It's going to ask you for your online ID and password for your banking account. Now, obviously, there's some trepidation about just giving out, you know, banking online information. So I really do recommend, you know, using a reputable service, uh, online service to connect to it and make sure it's using one of those protocols that it'll pop up like a plaid window and give you all the security information and let you really see that and read about it before you give them your, your login and password for your bank yeah. account. Yeah. But you do have to do that on a one-time basis. Now, that's important is that you do it one time. And as long as it doesn't change, as long as your login and password doesn't change at your bank, you're good for a good while. You're not have to going to go link them up every time. You only need to remember your login and password for, in this case, Mint or any other service you use. And it will automatically, in the background, be updating from your various banking, checking, and credit accounts. So just imagine you go into Mint, and right there is your checking account balance. And it'll say, as of so many hours ago, when it checked it last, here's your balance on your mortgage based on the last time we checked it. Here's the value of your home based on using like Zillow as a Mm -hmm. estimator service to kind of uh, estimate the value of your home. So it's pulling all these links together into one place to show you that one view. So kind of determining what your overall value of your personal, you know, uh, financial situation is, is, is fairly easy. And as long as you put all your accounts in there and you've got them all 
linked up and there's no problems with it connecting to those accounts, then you've got a great picture to look at with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I would say here's another reason why going with a small hometown bank can be uh, a bit of a challenge, right? You go into something mm-hmm. like Mint and going with that example you said earlier with Plaid or one of those, those are places where it'll say, just type in the name of your bank and we'll show you, here's all the banks we work with, right? Well, if you're at mom and pop's bank, that probably doesn't show up, even though you have a login. So you have to then go and tell it the address, link it, make sure that things are going right. Make sure that your mom and pop is actually able to do this sort of thing. I mean, there's, there's some of these that won't use some of these new services. So, um, so that's another reason why it's nice to have an, uh, a, a reputable bank or a bank that's big enough and digitally savvy enough to be able to allow you to do things with services like Mint. Here's my recommendation for anybody that might be tempted to kind of go try out Mint is go set up an account. It's a free service. You can set up an account very easily. The very first account you should try to link would be your if you have a small bank, family uh, family level bank in your community, yep. and that's where you do your primary banking, set that one up first. Because if it doesn't work or it doesn't let you connect, then you really lose so much of the value of Mint. It's really yep. not worth setting up the rest of your accounts. Agreed. Um, don't yep. go set up your major credit card account. Don't go set up your other big online accounts and then try to do your your, your small community bank checking yep. account because if it doesn't work you really lose a lot of the, the capabilities if you don't have your primary checking uh your 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 primary home bank account connected to it right um, right i will say it've gotten to the point where i i think there's going to be a very 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 small number of banks that don't connect right but it, it, it's only because these last couple of years they've just had to i mean it's been a necessity for everybody i know my bank which you know I think a couple of years ago did not connect to it. Um, it does now, but uh, it did take a while. It was a, it was a little, little ways behind everybody else on that. So, so Alan, here's a little uh, aside. Um, when I set up any sort of uh, mint or we'll talk about mental, maybe personal capital, some of these others where I link up to my uh, credit union, you know, you know how if every other account that you have, you say, I'm going to log in and then it'll say, well, here's a security. I need your security code that we're texting you. Yeah. Well, my, my credit card or my uh, credit union has to call me. Uh, that tells you a little bit about the frustration. Yeah. I can't See, do that when I'm, you know, around other people. I'm in a meeting and trying to do this without people knowing me. And I have to now yeah. take a call and listen to an automated number, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a good piece to say. <laughs> There's another reason why small banks sometimes can be more frustrating, and they are they're doing it because maybe they maybe their claim to fame is we are more secure, and that we're not sending over text, which we know can cause some issues. I think we talked about that in a previous episode. But I'm sorry, I I would like to have my I would like to have my text come in and see the number and put that in yeah. rather than having to let someone call. I so. completely agree. Completely yeah. agree with yeah. you there. So. All right. Um, well, let's talk about some of the things you can do in Mint, or uh, you mentioned personal capital already. Yeah, that is an that is an kind of an alternative to Mint, but uh, similar in its capabilities. But let's just talk about general what some of these online wealth management or online tools like Mint can do for you. Like, what what are some of the things you could do uh, with it? 
Yeah. Brian, how do you primarily use it? Well, as, as I mentioned, Mint, I, I use a lot. I'll probably, sadly, look at it daily, if not every other day. And it's my way of just knowing kind of what my status of things, because, you know, if you asked me what, where are my credit card situation? Well, that's maybe three different cards that each have a different login, a different page, a different place to go. I can go to Mint, see at one time, know, okay, I'm good on this card or uh, yes, my payment went through. Um, so I use it for that. Um, I, I will say I've, I've added things like uh, personal property. You know, I mm-hmm. put, put my cars in there where yep. you can tell it the year, the mileage, the condition, and it will keep up with the value. Uh, even if you don't have a loan already, if you just have, if you own it, um, you can keep that as part of your personal, uh, financial, uh, uh, total wealth, uh, amount net worth. Um, I do, I I do use TurboTax. I'm someone who does my own taxes, but I do it through TurboTax. Um, Mm -hmm. and what's really nice is that if you have a mint account and you go and do a TurboTax startup, it will take some of your information straight from mint, and say, yeah. hey, we plugged in this, your personal information. We plugged in some of your accounts. Hey, do you need to do something for this account? Is there a, is there a, um, uh, a tax form that came in with this account? Because we see you have it. It's really mm-hmm. great to have kind of a kickstart of uh, yeah. what I need to do on my taxes. So that's, that's what I use it for. It's really just to see. And then I do use the connection with TurboTax. So I... I- use those same things, but also, um, I do, um, I do play with the budgeting mm. on mint. It's something okay. they've, they've kept tooling with, uh, you know, it used to be a little more frustrating to use, but I've found it to be a little better now. And I actually have my budgets set up. So what it does is when it downloads transactions from your bank or your credit cards or your, any other accounts, it will, try to attempt to categorize them based on the vendor, based on where you bought it from. So, you know, if you bought something at McDonald's, it's pretty good knowing that that's food. And I'm going to tag that as that expense as a food expenditure. Now, if you go somewhere that's a fairly unique place, that's not well known, it's going to guess what that category is, but you have the ability to go in and say, no, that was actually clothing I bought from that place, or this was actually something for the house whatever categories you want to use. You can create your own categories. You can use their pre-built ones. But the idea is that you can go in and say, well, here's the budget I want to set up for each category. So I want to only spend this much money in dining and this much money on clothes and this much money on utilities, whatever it may be. And you can go in and view very easily once you set that budget. You can just quickly glance on your dashboard and see all your categories and where you are in the month how far along you are in those budgets. Now, it's not going to cut off your expenditures when you hit the budget. It's just a tool to show you where you are. And it will show you if you go over your budget, but it doesn't do anything to manage that. It just lets you know. Again, Mint is all about just watching and seeing what you've got, not actually doing anything with your money. Um, So it's nice. I mean, I do Mm -hmm. use that tool because I like just seeing kind of ballpark where I am compared to where I I think our family is spending-wise. it does show you comparison to the previous month very quickly and easily. So I can just say, oh, wow, we spent more than we did last month. I wonder why. I want to go dig in and see what, what's causing that. Um, you can uh, you can uh, tap in your credit score if you yeah, want it to actually yeah. track your credit score. That is super nice. Now, it's nice. I mean, the main reason they do it is because they, they will funnel 
things yeah. to you, promotions and, and opportunities right. to you sales wise. But it is nice to at least be able to see in one view without having to go to a different service to check your credit score at different times as well. Yep. So all these things are just nice. And uh, my favorite thing is probably, like you said, putting in my uh, my my cars, my fa- the cars my family owns, my house, and just knowing that it's actually going to look up and kind of keep some sort of idea of value of them. Now, granted, it's not going to be exact because like with a car, it may not know every feature that you've got and every little thing, but it gives you a general idea. Yeah, I know that, you know, with my car, my wife's car and my son's car, I, I know the approximate value of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the house stays up to date value wise. It kind of lets me know based on the marketplace and what Zillow's estimating as my car, my house value, it's piping that in as well. And uh, so it's nice. I do feel like I've got a fairly good picture of what my overall picture of financial health is at the yeah. time. Yeah. Alan, can, uh, do you know, um, are there any loan applications that will tap into your mint? And, I don't and know, pre-fill? but I'd be, I'd be surprised if oh my there God. weren't some ways to do that. Yeah. that. To How me, much easier would that be? Uh, I mean, loan application is obviously the most tedious, annoying thing. But if you could go and say, well, I'm going to just almost like Mint does, do it in reverse and say, here's my Mint account, suck all that in, and then let me go and add to anything that wasn't in there or adjust some of the questions. Boy, that would be nice, right? Well, I've got to imagine that if we're not already there in some situations that it won't be too, too long to do. I mean, I know from a business side, I know we're not talking business finance, but I can even just equate to the fact that I use QuickBooks for our, our my companies, our different financial management there. And even, uh, you know, filing for a one of the um, COVID-related PPP loans, because I was using QuickBooks and because I was using their provider that partners with QuickBooks, I didn't have to enter anything into loan yeah, application or into nice. the grant application for that. It fed everything from QuickBooks automatically. I just had to verify it and send it on its way. It was the easiest process. So yeah, if they, if they're pulling that off on the personal side and you're keeping your mint account pretty solid now, granted it's possible that you could not include some accounts on your mint account. So yeah, how they the validate that. That's I'm the same sure, with the loan application, right? I mean, true. it's all, it's I mean, all, it's all, uh, you know, your own personal, and they're going to pull credit reports that. anyway, sure. so they're going to validate stuff through that anyway. Right. You're right. No, I think so, I think it. I think that would be great. But uh, well, I can't imagine that that's not, if not already here, at least on the horizon with that. Yeah. So, well, let me mention now, Alan. Let me mention personal yeah. capital really quick. Sure. Because, yeah. Because um, may, people may be thinking we're getting sponsored by Mint, which, by the way, we would love. <laughs> so, if Mint's yeah. out there and wants Mint, to, feel free to call us. Please, please let us talk. know. Yeah. Um, but we're not, and main reason is Mint is still kind of the big boy, and it's free. But I will say I've played around a little bit with personal capital, which is another one that does somewhat similar. It will give you the full picture. You can add all your accounts in just like you can with Mint. What I will say is it's kind of nice is that personal capital has a, a, a few other services that make it a little unique um, okay. to Mint and that you could do things like um, here's my retirement account and personal capital gives you an idea that, hey, we think you're paying too many fees on a couple of your huh. Uh, oh, a nice. couple of your your, um, your holdings, and we will renegotiate those for you, or we'll go and help you reallocate those. So I think personal mm. capital has a way, almost becoming a little bit more like a banker or more like a yeah. wealth management person. So I think if you're someone who really wants to take charge of your wealth, 
And rather than just look at it like we do, uh, and we want to do those things individually, uh, personal capital may be the one where you say, I'm going to put it in, plus I want some advice, right? I want people to give me advice. And Mint's Mint's advice is going to be the standard cue cards that say, you need this credit card. This credit card's great, but they're all the sponsors, right? Well, and I didn't even, we didn't even mention kind of investment things yeah. on Mint. But yeah, both these services we're talking about, Mint, personal capital, and others. You know, if you have investment accounts, retirement accounts, you can link those up and watch and track those values as well. Yeah. Yep. I love the idea with personal capital of uh, recommending where to make, you know, get better fees or mm-hmm. reduce your fees, uh, your brokerage fees. So that's really great. I mean, I would imagine that they're, Obviously, they've they've got a way of making money from that, yep. which is why they're recommending it. But as long yep. as it saves you money, that's the number one goal, I think, in most cases. So, yeah. Um, so these are great. You know, personal capital is free, I assume, as well. Well, there's a. I think there's a premium version, if I'm not mistaken, on okay. personal capital. So I think there's a way that you may end up paying for that. But, um, well, I think that I think the main one is free. But if if I'm not mistaken, there's like other levels that you can get additional. Mm. Okay you know, one-on-one chats and all that sort of stuff. But yes, initially it's, it's free. It's free to put your accounts in just like men. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing is, is that, you know, for free, you can get a lot of great information from either of these services. Now we gotta, we gotta at least acknowledge, I mean, there's more and more banks, traditional banks that are trying to incorporate some of the same dashboard, tie your accounts together capability on their own sites. Um, I know a couple of larger banks will do that and say, hey, if you want to go ahead and manage all of your finances, we'll give you a, a dashboard as well. I've seen some of them. I've used some of them. I, they're okay. I, I still think Mint, from my personal experience, has got them beat because Mint yeah. is focused on this is what we do, where your banks are just, their f- primary focus is yes. managing your money that they yeah. hold for you. Um, they're just letting you see other accounts. So maybe they can keep you at their website or keep you banking with them as long as possible. And I guarantee um, most of those that add that service are limited in terms of yeah. where, whereas you mentioned your bank, the small bank took a while to get on mint. I guarantee if you went on Citibank and they said, Hey, put in your checking account and everything, they may struggle a little bit to have some of the small time. Because again, as you said, this yeah. is a side deal for them. That's a side deal. So yeah. I like Mint and that I don't think it's ever going to go away and it's there. And even if I change banks, I can do it. I don't have to you know, yeah. keep me loyal to one thing. That's nice to be able to see things from another perspective. So, Well, obviously we recommend Mint, but there are other tools out there. And I think there's new ones popping up all the time to do the same kind of capability. The main goal here is that I think it makes it easier and easier for people to look at their financial picture at one place and not have to go and manage a dozen different login and passwords and try to, and then keep their own spreadsheet and trying to manage it all on their own. These are some really great tools for watching your finances and seeing your value and seeing your investments and so forth. Now, but Brian, there's also some other tools and I know you've had a couple of experiences with some of these Mm -hmm. other tool services that kind of can exist alongside a mint or another dashboard but are really meant for doing some very more specific things to help you out in your managing your finances. Um, One of them in particular, I see your notes on, and I'm really curious hearing you talk about it is uh, some services for kind of looking at your spending, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of helping you analyze what you're spending money on Uh, subscriptions being the main thing. What's the, what's the the one you want to talk about with that? Well, so I've got two uh, and these are, these are two that I think, um, 
get compared a lot because they kind of do the same thing, but they each have a slight uniqueness to them. So one is called Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L, and the other one's called Trim. And some people may have had experience with these, but um, they both have a mobile app. Um, and what they're, what they're trying to do is they are trying to take a look at helping you manage your more regular spending, not, not your, they're not looking at your, uh, wealth managed. They're not looking at brokerage accounts and all these things. They're looking at your day-to-day spending and trying to see if they can give you help with that. Um, mm-hmm. so for example, Truebill, okay. Truebill is one that, um, you connect it to like your credit card and maybe your um, your debit card and your checking account, all of these, wherever you're paying your uh, services out of. So wherever you pay your water bill, wherever you pay your uh, cell phone bill, wherever you pay your um, uh, cable bill out of. And it well, the cool part about it is when you link those up, just like you would in Mint, you tell it, here's my login. Mm-hmm. It goes and does a scan through your transactions and then comes back and says, okay, we see that you'd have a monthly transaction to AT&T for this amount. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden it's saying, this must be a subscription. We see you paying the same amount every month. And this must be your, tell me, is it your phone? Great. That's your phone bill, right? We see your cable bill. You're paying this amount to Comcast. Now, the cool part is it gives you those. So one, it's going to remind you, hey, by the way, you're getting charged for this every month. Do you know that you still have that service? And if you want to get rid of it, we can get rid of it for you, right? They have a way of you can just click and say, get rid of it. I don't want it anymore. I didn't realize I had it. They can go do that, uh, which is kind of nice. The other, the really cool part about this is they have the ability, and this is the case of Truebill and Trim, is they have the ability when they see a bill that they think they can negotiate for you, you can have them go and auto auto negotiate for you and try to bring that bill down. So the ones that they would typically do this on is cable and cell phone. And they'll pull it up. For, for example, for me, I have T-Mobile. Uh, it says, hey, it looks like you're paying X amount for T-Mobile every month. We think you could do better than that. Let us go and renegotiate it for you. Now, I haven't done this because I've been super nervous about it. <laughs> um, but it's supposedly, if you say, go do it, this is where these two services differ a little bit, okay? Truebill, if I tell Truebill, hey, here's my T-Mobile bill, go renegotiate. And if they do, if they come back and say, hey, we just saved you, let's say they saved you $10 a month, okay? Well, they're going to take 40% of that $10 for the first year. So they get $4 a month for the first year. So you save six bucks instead of 10, okay? After that, they don't take any more, right? They did their job, Okay. Um, on trim, they'll take 33% of your first year savings, unless you're a premium member. Now a premium member on trim is that you can pay $99 for the year and anything they negotiate, you get hundred percent of that savings. So if you feel like you've got a lot of things they can, can negotiate, might be good to pay the hundred dollars for the year, get their service, let them constantly be the bulldog to go out there and renegotiate. Stuff I mean, basically you. you're saying if you think they can save you at least $10 a month, then it's worth it. To then do it's the worth the spending $99 a year to do that. So, right. Yeah. Right. So, which is kind of cool. Um, both of them will do, uh, they both have savings account uh, uh, possibilities. And what I really like is things like uh, Truebill has an auto autopilot savings that you can set up. You can say, here's my checking account. I want you to just go ahead and 
pull $10 a month and put it in your own savings that, you know, builds whatever. And they allow you to pull it out, put it back in, right, without a lot of fees and anything. So it's kind of a way of saying, hey, we think you could start building up your savings. And if you budget and you say you want to buy a car in two years and you need X amount, we're going to go ahead and start taking that out for you and put it in your savings Mm -hmm. because we think you may not have the willpower to do it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll do some of that. Um, So uh, Trim, a little different than Truebill, Trim will uh, will also do the subscriptions, but it also does things like medical bill negotiation, which I think is kind of cool. Like if it thinks that you're paying too much on a medical bill, it will go and talk to that company and uh, try to renegotiate for you. Uh, AP, uh, uh, if you've got uh, overdrawn bank accounts or fees from your bank, it will try to go and renegotiate those for you. Again, I don't know any success. Bay, bay okay. fees and like overdraft fees, yep, yeah. and your and your credit card APR. Interesting, could be worth them again. If you think you have, if you if you use a credit card a lot, and you believe you can get a better rate for that, but you don't want to go through that hassle of trying to call and do all of that, mm-hmm. and maybe you have cable, and maybe you have a cell phone, it may be nice for something like Trim. You pay them a hundred dollars a year, and you say, "Well, go ahead, Bulldogs, drop down my my rates, right?" Which is kind of nice. Well, and, well, even if you don't want to pay the premium member amount, I mean, they still will just take 33%. They'll take 33%. You're still yep. saving 66% of whatever they negotiate. So you're not going to, you're not paying anything. Right. It's just you're, you're saving less than what you could be saving without Correct. premium membership. Correct. Either way, I mean, for somebody who's, you know, I mean, granted, I, I imagine the process with both these services is, is kind of a one-time thing. Where like if you go in and say, all right, I want you to negotiate all my accounts like that are applicable. Yep. You know, you're not going to go and they're not going to ne- go negotiate them again three months later. So I mean, you kind of do it one fell yep. swoop. Unless you're someone that is constantly getting new subscriptions and constantly True. getting new you things. You got kids maybe that are adding new yeah. things. But yeah, for the most part, I, I look at it as I, if I did it, I would do it one time. Mm-hmm. And I go in and say, okay, it looks like I have enough here that you think you can deal with. So deal with it. Now, here's my problem. I, the only two things it told me, this is Truebill, and, and I will say, uh, interacting with them, Truebill I like a lot more than Trim. Mm, now, okay. Trim, of course, took a little less percentage, but Trim uh, just has, I think, a real, it's browser only. You don't have a mobile app for it. I should have mm. said that earlier. Actually, I think I said mobile app on both, but it, it's the one that has a browser only. So if you did it on your mobile, you have to do the browser version. Whereas Truebill really has kind of a, a cool mo- mobile app that's better yeah. than their their um, browser app. But um, if I so when I looked at it, both of them said, "Well, we we think we can renegotiate your T-Mobile bill." Okay, and that initially sounded great. It was like, "Oh, cool! I've been paying the same amount. My wife and I have cell phone. We pay a hundred dollars flat every month for the two of us to have unlimited stuff." But I right away what I took it as is. I'm not really sure. I'm nervous about this, right? So what happens if I say, please renegotiate, and they come back and say, hey, we just saved you $25 a month. You're now paying $75. Am I committed already? What if it turns out that what they got me on was now a a one-year contract for $75, whereas right now I am on no contract. I am I am good with this thing forever. I just don't know how much control I'm going to have. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know how much control I'm going to have when they do it. Uh, I assume I'm going to be able to say yes or no, and they'd give me all the details. Uh, but I personally went to T-Mobile and said, well, if they think they can renegotiate, maybe I should just look at all the services they have. And I didn't see anything 
less than what I'm paying now. So I'm not convinced that they would really save much. No. So again, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I was, I was not willing to go and let them do it knowing that I didn't want to, I didn't know the commitment level and maybe I'll try it if uh, yeah. I'm not paying for a premium. So, right. Yeah. Now I think it's worth saying too, that, you know, these services, you know, the true bill, the thing you started talking about initially yep. was that helping you track your, subscriptions and regular yes. expenses. So like you said, there's a lot that you can get for free. Yeah, exactly. Especially with online services these days and online entertainment, like, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus all these, that's the biggest thing I remember when people got so concerned about when we moved away from a flat cable bill to all these a la carte services is that you could sign up for a service one day and forget and about it. Get, you're paying for it. Yep. And the, the dollars are so nominal that that's part of the, part of the deal is that, you know, they kind of think, well, if it's $4.99 a month, it's not going to make a huge impact on people. People may not even balk it, even recognize it every month and yep. forget that they're paying it. Yep. So really these services are also designed to say, hey, we're going to we're going to help you manage what you're spending. Yep. And by the way, do you remember you're, you're now paying $70 worth of, of online movie yep. services per month? Yep. And do you still mean to be doing this? Yeah. Which is great because that is something I think a lot of people are worried about with all the different subscriptions that we're now having to, we're moving to a subscription model for most of our entertainment or software solutions. Yep. And uh, this is a try and design to help you kind of manage that a little bit better. No, and it's great. And, you know, just to give you an idea with Truebill, it will show you, here's the subscriptions we think you have. You go in and kind of tweak it a little bit and say, oh, actually, that's not a subscription or this is actually going... But it can then it can look back through your entire statements. I mean, it can tell you for the last year, it looks like your this particular subscription has gone up by five dollars. Did you know that? Do you want to keep keep it, right? Or are you, you know, do you think you can find something better? So I think I think that's a nice part. I have both of them. Uh, I don't pay for either one of them. Uh, I use Truebill just to try to see my subscriptions. I'm tempted because it keeps telling me that I think my insurance and my um my cell phone bill it thinks it can renegotiate or it says we think these are high mm. now i personally don't think they're high and so i'm i'm nervous about trying to say yes they are and then finding out that maybe there's other things i'd be losing because i like to do my research on those but uh i'm tempted so we'll see uh, but i think they're both great things for people even if you don't pay for anything you go in and just let it say, oh, here's your here's your subscriptions, right? Keep yeah, this in mind sure. that you might be able to get cheaper for this. And, you know, and at that point you can do your research and figure out what's going on. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, Alan, there is there is one other one other uh, service I wanted to mention, and it's a specific service that I've had experience with in the last month um, that I think would be helpful for people. Um, whereas we mentioned something like Truebill and, and Trim can help you with your subscriptions and try to make you do a little better with the money on that. Uh, I started using a company called Policy Genius, and I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of them before, but Policy Genius is one that will help you renegotiate or research and find new insurance uh, quotes, yeah. insurance plans. And so I have recently... Uh, changed my home, my auto, and my life insurance policies all because of Policy Genius going out and shopping them out for me. And uh, so pretty interesting. Um, 
and, and one thing I would say, there's plenty of these out there, I'm sure. There's plenty of these broker companies that can do this now. They're ones that don't have a, they don't have a brick and mortar, so therefore they're saving money. But one thing, if, for people that are a little concerned about, I don't want to go with an online only because I'll never speak to anyone in America or I'll never get a chance to really get anyone that cares. I'll get automated stuff. I've been amazed with Policy Genius in that, you know, they initially I went online, filled out their little form and said, I'm looking to see if I can change life insurance. And then I immediately got an email that said, we'd love to talk to you about this. Give us a call. And of course, I'm like, uh, I'm not really sure. I think I went on and chatted, you know, via mm-hmm. type type chat initially. But I called. They answered. The person was super helpful. They followed up with a call like a week later. Say, hey, do you have any other questions about the quotes we sent you? It was actually a person every time I called, and the person was super helpful. Um, so we ended up, as I said, we we changed our home and auto, and I think we saved. I think it was something like about 500 a year uh, by switching and they did the switching for us. So I filled out the online forms and they handled canceling our other ones, changing it with our mortgage company, doing all of the the legwork on that. And we didn't pay them a fee. They of course get a fee for, from the companies that, you know, they sign you up with, but Mm -hmm. we went with reputable companies. And just yesterday I actually switched our life insurance and the same thing they gave us said, here, here's your quotes choose which one you want. And it was also one that they said, we suggest going with this one because this one uh, won't require you to get a health screening. We can give you that right away. And, but they said, if they do require the health screening, we'll send them out. We'll send the the nurse to your home (laughs) and it'll be on our dime. And so, I mean, you know, it was just incredibly, it's pretty nice. So again, there's a lots of these out there, but if you're someone who's really looking to take advantage of kind of this digital age of banking and of finance, you be aware there are companies out there that are scam artists, but I yeah. kind of did my research to see reviews. I always type in reviews of policy genius reviews and look for things like uh, places that have actually done full on reviews yeah. of them. But uh, that is the biggest thing I would recommend as well. Just, re- just, look for reviews and try to get some reputable feedback on these services. Um, and not just sponsored reviews, not just ones that say, Oh, this is the one click here and go to policy. Genius. That just means yeah. that they sponsored it. Right. Yeah. I look for something like a Clark Howard or one of these that is completely objective in the way that they are giving reviews. And yeah, it's good. I think in, in general, what we're basically saying with not only talking about, you know, banking options, managing and kind of dashboarding and viewing your wealth and then other services to help you find ways to save money. If you're, if you're willing to trust the technology, you're willing to trust these services that are online only services and you do your homework and research and make sure you're, you're using a reputable one that's got a good reputation and is doing what it says it's going to do. You can, you can honestly, you could honestly live a completely online financial life and using services to help you manage your 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 personal finance online. Um, I know that there's people that still like to know that there's a human being face that they can go interact with. And yes, you are sacrificing that to some degree with a lot of these options. But um, I know me personally, I'm willing to do that because I think there's some some savings. I think there's some some benefits to gain. I think there's yeah. some more autonomy you can kind of gather from your own personal finances. And uh, 
So, and I think that's also where we're just seeing things move to in general. Um, I use Policy Genius just to say oh, as well. Cool. And okay. I use it as why I'm, I moved my car insurance uh, to another vendor and saved a lot of money with it. Could I have done it on my own if I'd gone and tried to doggedly call up different uh, providers and try to negotiate rates? Yeah, I could have. But this is a website that did it for me for free. Now, granted, yeah. I know they're getting some kickbacks on the backside. They're getting some benefits from whatever vendor they send us to, I'm sure. But it didn't affect me. I still saved money in the end, and it made yep. it a very seamless, easy process. So um, there's a lot of opportunities out there online like that. But you just still do need to be careful. And, uh, yep. Yep. Um, you know, you are giving your your accounts to other services and other places or uh, treating and uh, using an online service to help you manage your finances. There's always going to be some risk with that. But um, I'm of the opinion that I think my money is just as safe with an online bank and connecting these online services as it is using my community bank with the login and password to access my accounts through them as well. So yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to take some of those additional risks to some degree but it definitely needs your homework to do before you, you, you jump in full speed. So, yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So, so that is some bill or I guess some, some financial management, personal financial management that you can do with online services and some of the experiences we've had with them. Sounds like we're both in similar positions that we're, we're contemplating a change with our own personal finance to maybe some online banking to look mm-hmm. to see if there might be some better options, but we've already taken advantage of, some of these tools to help us manage our wealth and to also find opportunities to save money per month right. as well. So, right. yeah. Alan, That's can great. I mention one thing you mentioned it sure. earlier and I meant to jump in and give an example real quick, but you mentioned the um, uh, notifications from budget that mint can do where you set up a budget mm-hmm. and say, you know, am I hitting that budget or not? Something that uh, people may not recognize is something that I, I use a lot, and I'm super happy that I that I found this, was that one of my credit cards, the one that we use all the time. So we have a credit card that we get X, X percent back. I think it's 2% mm-hmm. on everything. And we, we pay for as much as we can out of it and then pay that off every month. But they have, um, and this is Citibank, by the way, uh, this one, and I'm sure a lot of them do this as well. You can go into the notifications on that particular card and say, you know what, notify me anytime I'm getting close to this total amount. Mm -hmm. And I set that up on that account because I have a certain amount that I know that if we're staying below that, then we're on track. And if we're above that, we're off track. And it will send me a text with every single, um, every single purchase that I make that is within, I think $500 of my goal target. (laughs) or my max that I want to be spending. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden when you spend it and you get the little text right after we go, Ooh, okay. So I'm getting close. I need to be aware of where I am. It's just a great way. If you've got an idea of this is how much should be going on that credit card every month. I know that you're on your, um, your checking account. Some of those will do that as well, but take advantage to me. That's one of the, the best things you can do is take advantage of notifications where you get notified of your account balance. You get notified of when you're getting close to your budget amount, those are the ways to really take advantage of mm-hmm. um, digital age and try to hopefully, you know, stay within your budget. So, see, and that's a great example of something that you know a a, a smaller community bank just not you know going to do for you and let you have that kind of capability where 
you go with one of these bigger services to help manage your wealth and, and keep you on, on task. Uh, the notifications, the use of all the different ways of communicating with you are great. Yeah, Mint sends me like a weekly email summary of what my week has looked like. Yep. And it does all the notifications. For, if there's a really large purchase, it sends me a note. No matter what category it's in, it just says, hey, you told us to notify you if a purchase was made over this threshold. And we're letting you know this purchase happened. So you can kind of verify and look at it and say, yeah, that was, that was, that was a, I remember writing that check. That's fine. But if I saw something pop up that I don't recognize, I mean, it was actually kind of funny. I have um, my son's checking account linked up with our accounts on Mint as well, because it kind of gathered all my banking accounts from my bank, my checking accounts. And, uh, it was really nerve wracking. I got a text message that says, Hey, you just spent a thousand dollars on this. And I'm just like, uh, no, I did not. Course, I'm like going online, looking through like, I, I, what are they talking about? And it uh, turned out my son, it was something we had discussed and it was a large purchase that he was saving up for and done. It was on his account, but because I had it linked in on, on mint with mine, I got notified, but again, I felt good afterwards because I'm like, good. It worked exactly the way it was supposed to. I, it caused me yep. a little panic. I did yep. a little verification. Everything checked out. It was great. So uh, I like having those kind of eyes on these various accounts and notifying me in ways that are meaningful to me, quick, easy, efficient ways to, to communicate. So it's great. Yep, I agree. Yeah. A lot of great advantages there, but we understand too, it's not always for everybody. So please do your homework. Please research. Um, and also I'll say this too, if uh, anybody out there listening is curious about a particular uh, service or online bank and you want a little verification, drop us a note. We'd be happy to kind of give you any yeah. feedback or thoughts we've got on it from what we've seen, uh, and some of our research as well. So we'd love to hear from you. If you are considering maybe moving more online with your personal finances and banking, um, let's talk. We'd love to give you some, uh, some feedback or advice on it. So Brian, how can they, how could they do that if they wanted to talk with us a little bit more about this? Yeah. So they can send us an email at info at the mesh.tv. That's info at the mesh.tv. Um, and I would add to that, Alan, if you're someone who actually has a decent amount of wealth to put in these, unlike Alan and I, um, it would be nice to know if these things actually work for you as well, because, you know, obviously we're talking about pittance of uh, uh, money that we have in our accounts, Alan. Um, but it'd be nice to know uh, if people actually have wealth to be able to use this. Uh, we'd well, love to hear from you as well. I'll make this offer. <laughs> if somebody has a whole lot of money that they're like, you know what, we kind of would like somebody else to kind of maybe play with that money and to try some things online and banking and managing it. I'm willing to give that a shot for Ooh. your for your money. I'd be happy to kind of help manage your money however you'd like. Bro- so just, Brothers in tech wealth management. I think we got a whole okay. another whole another <laughs> service we can start offering there. I have no problem with that. Yeah. So. All right. That's info at the mesh.tv. Let us know. Uh, let us know what you've got going on regarding personal finance uh, apps. So yeah, yeah. And if you got another one that you're using that you yeah, think would is love great, to hear and uh, we'd love to hear it as well. There's new ones popping up every day, and it's a lot to keep a uh, keep on top of. But uh, that is great. Well, listen, I think, um, Brian, I mean, I will give a little tease. I think of what we want to talk about next time. But I think mm-hmm. we've already discussed kind of staying in this financial realm a little bit. Uh, I think next time we get together, if I'm, if everything comes together the way we're expecting, I think we'll be talking about digital money and yeah. what that means is a little different than how you manage your, your, your actual money. This is, uh, how you, 
handle money transactions online. So we're talking Venmo, PayPal, Apple Pay, Vail, some of these services. And also, we're going to dip our toe into the cryptocurrency a little bit as well. Ooh. What does that mean? And and that that's a good question because, honestly, Brian, I don't know what it yeah, means. I have, I have no I'm, idea. I'm expecting that we will find out by the next – we will have learned it by the next time we get together. That or we're going to we gonna have to bring a guest on, I think, honestly. I think we're going to have to bring in my son because, actually, my boys are the ones Ooh, that know crypto? more about cryptocurrency than I do. Um, I had a son that just recently invested in some cryptocurrency and made – a lot of money in like a month, and uh, uh, okay. uh, so I may need to bring him in to talk to us, <laughs> educate us a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to talk digital money. We're going to talk all about how to send money, receive money, and using these different online services to help you uh, get and receive money. So uh, we'll be talking about that next time we get together, I believe. Awesome. Right. Yeah. So that should wrap it up tonight for Brothers in Tech. And we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.